Get ready and start your engines for our ninth annual aviation month on Savvy Broadcasting. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Alex Sanfilippo. Thank you for coming to Savvy Broadcasting for our ninth annual aviation month. I'm so grateful to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You said your ninth annual. This is the ninth year. I, it might be the ninth or the eighth. You know, wow. I, I, we've been doing it so long. I forget <laughs> which year. Congratulations! But, yeah, we've been That's doing so it. cool. <laughs> yeah, the year we started our podcast, we started doing it, and I think it was just a month or two after I started podcasting, I decided to do Aviation Month. So it's it's been like forever, and it's been so much fun. I mean, we've met people in this industry. And it's such a fascinating industry. My my husband's a partner. Uh, my husband, my, my husband's a partner. No, my husband's a pilot. And so we've flown around the country, had loads of fun meeting other pilots, other business uh, owners or pilots or works in the industry. And it's just it's so much fun meeting that group and that family of um, business people and entrepreneurs and uh, aviators. So we're grateful to have you here today because you not only started right from working in a warehouse all the way up to aerospace um, executive. So uh, that's mm-hmm. a huge, huge jump. And you're going to talk about that growth mindset that comes from making those huge jumps that allow you to kick butt and go anywhere you want in business. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not a pilot. I have to give that disclaimer. It's funny. Every time I say aerospace, people assume three things. I'm an astronaut, I'm a fighter pilot, or I'm a skydiver. And I am none of those things. So I have yeah. to give that disclaimer. <laughs> Every time I talk about aerospace, because people are like, oh, have you been to space? I'm like, no, there, there's more to it than that. Someone's got to keep the things flying, right? So that's more where my job has always been. Uh, so like you mentioned, senior executive in, mm-hmm. in the aerospace industry in my company. And uh, I focused on profit margins and our processes to make sure that we're actually running efficiently as a company. And we're a big manufacturing company, again, that keeps planes flying. That's what our job is. Yeah. You know what's interesting, Alex? I I don't know that, and I know I didn't know, how much of aviation plays a part in everyday life that you don't think about, like your food getting to your house, to the grocery store, to to using it just to get to see your parents twice a year during Christmas or something. I mean, there's just so many parts of aviation that you don't think about, like let's say the Amazon that shows up at your door every day. So much of our life is would not be possible today, modern day life, without aviation. 100%. The business I've worked in is actually very global. So not only United States, it's actually 70% of our business is international. And some of these, these third world countries and smaller islands, their only form of transportation are these, these smaller aircraft. We work on 20 passenger aircraft around that, that size. Mm-hmm. And that's the only option they have. And that's how they get medical supplies. That's how they get food. That's how some places actually get water. Like that's how it actually comes to where they're at. So yeah, everyday life is really impacted in a big way for us in the United States with something as simple as Amazon and other places, they rely on it to actually survive. Yeah, it's it's in pinnacle. Now, now share with us. I mean, how do you go from working a warehouse to all the way aerospace executive, senior executive? How do you do that? I mean, that's just a huge leap. How did that work out for you? Yeah, it's not one day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> let's start with that, right? It didn't happen overnight by any means. It, it takes it takes time to be able to do anything like that. And I, I think from day one, though, I did have the vision of what it would be when I got the job as a part time person working the receiving department, which I'll just be transparent here. What that meant was taking out the trash for people and breaking down boxes. And that's where I started. And I started at a fairly young age. I was just out of high school, but I knew that I had the vision for being so much more, for walking in one day and being that person that, that was needed, right? And that person that people relied on. You actually had a really good episode recently 
that kind of covered this topic a little bit was with Eddie. He was the writer yes. who's also a doorman and he talked mm-hmm. about from vision to reality. Amazing episode. I encourage people to go back and listen to that. But really, same thing as he was saying, like I looked at my, my life and said, okay, this is where I wanted to end up. So mm-hmm. it started one day at a time. We can get into what that looked like, but uh, yeah. it, it was one day at a time. It didn't happen overnight. I had to be patient uh, along the way in the journey. Well, tell, tell me, what would be your advice? Because you know, not everyone has that, that feeling inside that I know there is more for me. Like they, yeah. they're discontent, not happy with their life, but they can't really see that they could do more. Where, where would you see them going or what would be your advice to get them feeling that there's more for them? Yeah, it starts off with being the best version of yourself where you are. So show up every day where you are and do your absolute best. And maybe even if you don't see it, if it doesn't feel different to you and you're saying, oh, I still don't know if there's anything else for me. If you show up and give 110% to everything you do every single day, someone else is going to notice and they're eventually going to call it out of you and say, you know what? You can do more than what you're doing today. And not that we need to seek a title or anything like that. Really, at the end of the day, we need to seek to add value to other people's lives. And that only happens when we really show up and give 110% of who we are every single day. Yeah. You know, that's a really, really good point, Alex. I, I recall, and it stuck with me, and it probably will forever. There was a guy working in a parking lot in Manhattan, I think an icon par- parking, and he was so awesome at his job. He had such a great attitude. He was so great customer service. I said, wow, you rock. And he said, you know what? My mom always said, if I'm going to do something, I do the best. If I'm going to mm. shovel, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> be the best you can be at it. And, and he just took that into everything he did. So he's working in a parking lot, but he's being the best darn person attendant working in that parking lot. And you're right. When you take that one attitude into everything you do, for one, it gives you confidence. You, mm-hmm. you begin to grow confidence in that one thing you're doing that then you can add into other parts of your life. Yeah, that, and that's been so, so true for me. Exactly what you just said there. Mm-hmm. So now you're working in uh, the DA or you're working in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. How did you begin to move through and transform into eventually working into aerospace in, um, field? How did that work out? Yeah. So the, the actual, the receiving department I was in was in the same aerospace company. So I just started off very small in, in the aerospace company, which again, taking out the trash and breaking down boxes has nothing to do with aviation or aircraft or anything like that, right? <laughs> it's just a simple yeah. uh, job. There's nothing wrong with it. I actually really enjoyed even that because again, I was giving 110%. I was showing up every day with a smile on my face, happy to do the work that no one else wanted to do. Mm. And that immediately separated me. But also I was curious. And yeah. I think that a lot of us, we lose that drive at some point is being curious, being teachable. So I was like a sponge. Mm. I'd be breaking down boxes and asking like, hey, this one says it came from, from Australia. What do we do in Australia? And just asking simple questions. It started off like that. Mm. And then getting familiar with the parts. They started saying, well, Alex, you're so curious, but why don't you start opening the boxes as well? Mm. And then you can give them the disposition because you seem to know where everything goes anyway. So I started opening the boxes and taking them to the right departments and divisions and where they'd go. I'd be the delivery boy, right? But again, it was always around the, the act of just asking mm-hmm. questions, being curious. So when I take it to a department, I'd say, what are you going to do with this thing? And people were like, oh, he's actually interested. He wants to know. And people love talking about what they do, right? So I just let people talk and I just listened. And over the years, that compounded interest, and obviously there's a lot more involved in that that we'll get into. But mm-hmm. for me, it was really just started from a place of being curious and being teachable. I never became mm-hmm. the master. And still to this day, I'm not the master. I am somebody who still wants to learn from anybody that I can possibly learn from. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned really awesome points there. One being curiosity, being teachable mm-hmm. and listening. Uh, so much in our life, we're, we're thinking, well, I know what to do in my job. And you get so <laughs> stuck in a rut that, oh, this is what I do. And I don't go outside this box. 
Um, but when you just begin to just say, well, what's going on over here, over there, it can not only expand and make your, your work life more interesting. Now you've also added more value to the company you're working at. And then enhance uh, along the road, be up for moving up in the company like you mm-hmm. did. Yeah, exactly. And from there, what I just learned, I took notes. So I took, I always had a, I used a, a computer at that point. So I've always been pretty high tech even back in the day, but you know, I had a computer, a laptop I'd walk around with. And I would just take notes on what people were telling me and what they're, what they're doing. And eventually pretty quick, actually, I'd say that I moved out of receiving it into a division that's called MRO maintenance, repair and overhaul. And that's a pretty common area in, in aerospace, right? You learn a ton in that space. And same thing. I kept that mentality of okay, I got promoted really quick, quicker than most people ever do in the company, but I never let it turn into pride. I instead yeah. said, how can I help someone else do the same thing that I just did now? So the next person in the warehouse, how can they work their way up? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I've always been able to do that in every area I've been. But when I got into MRO, I'll tell you what, I'm about learning everything. I'm seeing parts that are coming in broken and leaving fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how the FAA handles that, how uh, EASA handles that. And those are just big terms for making sure that it's legally all handled correctly. But when you start learning that stuff, you become very valuable very, very fast. And most people find it boring and don't want to learn it. Hmm. But I just did the time and did the hard work to figure that stuff out. And that made me so valuable in the industry that I've, that I've been in for so long now. Yeah. You know what's interesting, Alex? I recall many years back, um, computers had just started to hit offices, uh, corporate offices across New York and, and all the US. Mm-hmm. And my office um, was bringing in um, computers and we were doing everything on paper. So I was an accountant. We're doing everything on the big green, uh, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> general <My goodness>. ledger. <laughs> and we were like, Oh no, no, this is not going to work. You can't do accounting on a computer. You need to do it on sheets of paper. Um, but so we were all a little push, push at it. And, uh, when they said, no, that's it. We're going computers. That's it. You got to learn computers. Well, at that point, once I knew computers were coming on board, I made it my, my life journey or duty at that point to take that um, manual home and memorize it, learn it inside and out. Hmm. It got to the point where I got so comfortable with computers, I couldn't imagine doing it on paper anymore. And right. I became the go-to person for all new people and the people there who had problems working on the computer instead of resisting. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They might work in a business or even work in their own business where they're like, okay, I'm used to doing it this way. I'm not going to go outside this box. And then you kind of limit yourself instead of going, okay, let me start to look on how I can grow this and how I can expand so that mm-hmm. now I'm, am I more valuable to people around me, but now I'm, I'm learning so much more and it makes my life so much more impactful. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, it's, it's so true. And that's been true for me as well. Cause the impact thing is so important. If we don't remember other people and everything that we're doing, mm-hmm. we become very self-centered, which is honestly, you'll, you'll become unhappy over time. I mean, joy comes from really helping other people. I've always found that to be true. So I love that you mentioned that point. I think that's really important. Yeah, totally. Now, this growth mindset that we keep hearing people talk about, mm-hmm. uh, share your perspective on what does that mean? Because, you know, a lot of words like authenticity and da, 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 get tossed around. <laughs> a and lot. you're like, well, what does that really mean? So what's your, what's your version? What does growth mindset really mean? Yeah. So for me, a growth mindset just means that you live a life of abundance in everything you do. And I think a lot of us, we look at competition as soon as we get into something. And, and it's, it's the world we live in. I mean, even when you're on social media, you look at someone else's social media following that's bigger than yours, or their picture's nicer than mine. Is their podcast better than mine? Like that's what we're looking at. And even if it's not, we're not calling it competition directly in our minds, we're kind of categorizing it as that, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have a more of an opt- opportunity mindset or a growth mindset, what you're doing is you're saying everything around me is just a way to elevate what I'm doing. And I remember when I first got into aerospace, uh, actually into like a, a job that was very a competitive space. So I got into sales and uh, immediately the first thing they say is here are our five biggest competitors. That was day one talking about that. 
and they really drilled this competitive mindset. And I found it to be very negative, even mm. for me. Like I, I didn't think about it because again, being a learner, I was like, okay, okay, this is how I have to think. This is how I have to think. And I found myself getting stressed out, mm-hmm. getting depressed, getting angry, things that weren't naturally me. And I realized it's because I lost the growth mindset. Instead, I had this mindset of, this is what I'm. This is what I'm fighting. This is what mm-hmm. I'm fighting. Instead of saying, hey, there's more than enough to go around. Aerospace is still this day growing. It was growing ten years ago. It's mm-hmm. growing twenty years ago. Like it's always going to be moving up. Yeah. And it's so important instead, what I now say is I don't call anything competition. I call it co-educators. We're co-educators. We're all working together to yeah. educate a market that this type of thing exists. And there's actually been a lot of studies that have proven that uh, something as simple as a gas station, if there's one gas station in a corner, it doesn't do as well if there's, if there's three. So if there's three gas stations, they're all competitors, all three will do better than one being by itself. It's because it becomes an area that people will now want to be loyal to one, or they mm. know that they can go then. There's plenty of options for them but it's actually encouraged people to realize, oh, that's a space that you can go for this type of thing. It's why a bunch of different brands like clothing end up in a mall because they're all together in one place and people say, oh, that's where you go if you need this. And I think that too many of us, we have this, our growth mindset is taken from us because we look at a world as competition instead of saying we have the opportunity to all help each other and all grow together. And there's, there's abundance around us. Everything is really doing great. And we're able to just excel and do very good with having the mindset of I can continuously develop and improve because yeah. there's nothing holding me back. Well, you know what? It's interesting. It's taking that and switching it or just um, tweaking it a bit to say, instead of competition being completely bad, how about I compete to be my better self and yeah. better than yesterday instead of like, I have to beat everyone else. Right. Um, it's interesting because I worked at this company where they had this quota thing. You're, you're talking about sales and mm-hmm. we had to meet a quota and whoever did the best numbers would get a prize or money or dinner, whatever the heck it was. And I like to win. Oh, who, right. who doesn't like to be the winner if you're going to play? We all do. Yeah. Right? That's a healthy thing. <laughs> right. That's healthy. Yeah. So you're, you're wanting to win. And so it did just that it made me really depressed because I'm going to beat all these other people. And uh, so you're doing that and then you're just stressing yourself out. And then I would often win the quota, be, you know, other coworkers, um, and they would be angry. And so look at hmm. you winning again. And <laughs> it just kind of built this animosity. And so I think it was six months in, I was so miserable. I said to my boss, why don't we just switch this up instead of doing like whoever the best person with the best quota is, whatever, that whoever in the, if the department can reach this number as a whole by day 30, we all go up and get mm-hmm. pizza or something. Right. That way we all get rewarded and then we're all pitching together to help each other. And then, you know, we're, we're like, we sit a weak spot. Let's help you get up. Yeah. You know, it's, it also goes back to a quote that I love. Teamwork makes the dream work. When you have an individual goal at a company that there is a team working technically together, right? I'm doing air quotes there. But when we're doing that, we take away the team and say, okay, whoever does the best wins. Mm. Honestly, I, I think I understand the idea because it makes everyone want to work a little bit harder. But at the end of the day, if you tell the whole team, hey, together, collectively, if we can take things further, teamwork mm. makes the dream work. When we do that, we can all get rewarded yeah. and all do well together. I think that that's such an important mentality mm-hmm. to, to have along the way. It's helped me a lot by doing that because I remember the same thing. We went, I went through the quota phase uh, until I got to a sales manager position and then I changed it immediately to, hey, let's focus on team instead of mm. I, right? Mm. And it really changed the morale of the entire company at that point. Yeah, because now we're excited to go out there. And I remember we would get together for cocktails after we switched up the, the method. And now we were good friends. And there was mm-hmm. one guy who was a little slacker a little bit. But we kind of rib him like, hey, you could give a little bit more, you know. But we <laughs> were all at the end of the day not like trying to like, come on, let's go. Get right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Our attitude change. Now, you mentioned something else, Alex, I really like. And you mentioned the fact of looking at other people and saying, well, look at their numbers, look at their car, look at their company, look at their mm-hmm. numbers. And you begin to just always measure yourself up against others. And the interesting thing I found with the age of social media is often what you're seeing out there in social media isn't even reality. No. It's often kind of facade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're measuring it. So it's something that ain't real. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. You know, there's a reason that a lot of great performance coaches will tell you not to look at social media when you're waking up or go to bed. And a lot of it's because that you can't even help it. If you see somebody that you know and you're like, wow, how did they afford this car? They have this house or why is their relationship so great? Or why do they always have this? You know, like, and we're looking at that and we're immediately comparing it to ourselves and we mm-hmm. rationalize that. And that's just what we do. But again, a lot of great performance coaches say don't look at that stuff in the morning or at night. For me personally, I've cut the majority of social media out of my life. I actually have people that manage it for me now. It's not because I don't want to see it necessarily, but I just find I'm a more positive, happy person when I do that. And then also here's another little bonus because everyone's always like, well, then you're not going to see the pictures and the stuff that your friends are going through. Well, guess what? If you actually hang out with those people and see them in person, they can show you in person. You don't have to be like, yeah, I already saw that on your social media. You can be like, oh my gosh, tell me about it. I haven't seen that yet. And people were excited to do that thing. Yeah. So that's, that's what we did in the 90s. So Remember when today. we used to in-person connect with each other? Right. <laughs> I, I love that you say that because we, we have forgotten. Like I've gone to concerts where the minute the, the artist comes out, you're like this. And everyone's like this, you know, with their phone yep. recording. And I'm like, dude, just enjoy the moment. Be Put here, down your right? phone. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's so true. You know, it actually brings up a really good point. Something else has really helped me a lot. Having a growth mindset also means allowing yourself to what to one, like avoid the negativity, right? And actually put some joy in your life. But also in order to really grow, you have to disconnect from different things, including the, the great aerospace job that I've been like working my way all the way up the chain, right? Mm-hmm. I had to learn this concept. And I believe that Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI said this best. He said, be where your feet are, which simply means wherever you are in that moment, be there. So if you're at work, be at work 110%. Don't be thinking about at home later. If you're at home, stop thinking about the job. Remind yourself of that. And when you can do that, mm-hmm. your, your mindset for growth just expands because you're actually yeah. growing in all areas, not just one, not just fixating on the job. You're also able to be home with your family and that causes you to really grow and to level yeah. up in your own life. Yeah, that is such a great point uh, for everyone, whether you have a business or not, because right now mm-hmm. I'm hearing from a lot of people that are maybe working from home because of COVID for the past six months. Right. And they're overstressed. And the reason being is I think they're at home and they're not separating work from home life. Mm-hmm. Like the kids are screaming and they're dealing with them and then they're doing the laundry and then they're doing work. And they're, when you separate and you do all these bits together, you're actually not being as focused and as, mm-hmm. um, what's the word, when you're uh, effective. Right. And it actually, I had heard from one uh, expert that said that it takes you 20 minutes once you break your concentration on one thing to get back into the other thing. So they, this idea of multitasking, you sometimes do need to break one task to do another, but the continual moving from boom, 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 boom actually makes you way less effective. Yeah, it does. You know, Robert Kiyosaki uses the word focus as an acronym and he says it stands for follow one course until successful. Mm. And I'll tell you what, if there's been one thing that's really helped me a lot, it's been being able to do that, not breaking my concentration. Now I understand if the kids are screaming or something like that, you've got to go handle that, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can actually turn off the TV, put away your phone, not start the laundry till later, if you can do those things that you have control over and you can follow that one course until successful, stay yeah. focused, you're going to find that you get a lot more meaningful work done in a lot shorter time than you thought in the first place. 
Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think it sends a message to your kids at home that they can also focus on something. Because I think when you're home all day long and just running amok and not staying focused on, on you know, we're going to do this task now, maybe this time is for playing or this time is for TV. And now we do books. Like my mom was very focused. Okay, now this is read time and report mm-hmm. time. And now you get to go to play for two hours with your friend. Like she segmented our time throughout the day as kids. And it kind of leads you to be structured so that when you grow up, you also carry that structure into adulthood. Yeah. And if people don't have that, like you're, you're blessed to have that. Not all of us had that, that structure, but I'll tell you what, something that's helped me stand out in the world again of, of aerospace has been able to have that structure because I, I understand that I had to learn. It was a learned tat. Like I was the most random guy ever, but I understood the importance of time blocking and saying these two hours, I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to open my email right now. I'm going to work on something meaningful and get it done and keep that focus as long as I can, because when you're doing that, again, you get noticed really quick when you're the guy who can finish something instead of being, I was too busy with email. My phone Mm. rang all day. If you can disconnect from those things, no one's sitting on the other side of the screen just waiting for you to respond to the the email and Mm -hmm. you don't have to answer the phone. You can call people back. So time blocking and making sure that you're actually separating yourself from the day to day and getting onto those bigger picture items. That's, that's a key, key in business, like in any business and really in life, like you're saying, it's just an important thing to do. Now, I have something to ask you that's very interesting. I've worked with and been around people whose idea of getting things done is they want instant, instant, you know, I used to work in an office where my boss said, I want all emails answered within five minutes. And it used to drive me nuts because I want to answer them when I come in in the morning and at lunchtime and at the end of the day. Like I want specific times that I'm going to answer emails. I don't want to have to be answering it every second. I find it, it kind of gets in the middle of each of my work tasks. Um, so what do you say to someone? So maybe they have a, a difficult client that said, I want to be answered immediately, or you're working in a job situation where your boss is like, this needs to be at, you know, dealt with immediately. Yeah, the first thing you, that I've had to do, because I've been in that situation, I worked for somebody years ago uh, who was the VP that I reported to, um, who was really similar to that and very harsh about it. Like, hey, if I email you, know, you're back in five minutes, like then we're going to have a conversation. Like they were not happy. And then they got into the point where they're like, even if it's after hours, if it's two o'clock in the morning, like you need to answer right away. So it turned into like a very, first off, bad relationship. Cause I immediately knew that like, okay, I have to set alerts in case he, you know, in case he tries to call, like I have to be there. But I figured out, thankfully, <laughs> as I was getting burnt out, that the best thing that I could do is go to the person who was putting the demands on me whether that's the client, whether that's the boss or the coworker or the department, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. whoever's putting the bands on it and set an expectation with them is the best thing you can do. And you have to do it as a sense of, uh, of helping them, not necessarily yourself. If you're like, I can't handle this. It's too much for me. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's going to create friction. But instead, if you say, hey, I want to make sure to bring my A game for you. I want to do the best I can for you. And if I'm going to do that, I need about three hours every day where I can actually focus on something that I need to get done so I can, so I can take care of making sure that I do the emails properly for you, right? I answer the phone properly for you, but I need this time to be able to get these things finished. Or I won't be able to yeah. do a good job. And when you yeah. position it that way, people are a little bit more like, okay, that makes okay. sense. I get that. You set the expectation. And then again, from a place that they're the ones that are winning, right? And then it's a win-win situation, but you make sure that you're not abusing that. So you're not like, I need six hours a day, right? Be, be real about it. Say, I need three hours to do X, Y, and Z. It's going to be from one to four every single day. And that's what I'm going to do. And uh, maybe they'll counter, but I've always found that that works a lot better when you bring the other people into the equation instead of just silently saying, here's what I'm going to do and forget whatever everyone else wants. Yeah. I, I love that you say that. It's true. Um, I, for the difficult clients that have come to me and said, I need an answer immediately. Like I get back to everyone at this time and this time. 
And when your email comes in, it will be dealt with at those times. And once they know that there's that boundary, here's the other thing. The boundary thing is actually a good thing, both for clients and people you work with. So they know, like you said, the expectations of what they can expect, but also that you're not ignoring them, but that you have boundaries. Mm -hmm. One thing Mm -hmm. I actually do is I set an autoresponder in my email every day when I leave the office. Mm -hmm. And so every day, and it says, it says, I'll be back tomorrow. And I'll say that, you know, it's, it's Monday and I'll respond to your email before 9.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And so I actually set the expectation even when I'm going to respond. It'll be before that time because I have the first couple hours I'm working, I'm not going to open my email. I'm going to get some things accomplished because mm-hmm. that's when my mind is the most fresh. It's when I can be creative. But then I'm going to make sure that they, ha- they know a time, a date. They understand exactly what I'm going to be able to do for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask because the, the autoresponder is already there. So I set the expectation before they're even like, where is this guy? They can see it instantly. And that's, that's actually been a really great hack for me that's helped a lot. That's great. That's a really, really good hack. Well, we could go on for so long. I mean, you've offered so much value and so much for people to just think about how they can grow their lives, their mindset, and get to growing themselves to the next level, wherever it is, whether it's in your business, whether you're an employee that wants to um, add more value for yourself and to your business. You've offered so much. I thank you so much, Alex. But before we go, share with them how they can find out more about you, work with you. How can they do that? Yeah, sure. So again, being in aerospace, it's relatively boring. I'll be real. Commercial operations, you know, it's, it's, I love it, but uh, helping people with profit margins and processes is something I can do. But in the aerospace world, I can't share too much information about that because it's a bit of a private company. Mm-hmm. However, everything I do is at creatingabrand.com creatingabrand.com. I have a podcast that gets into entrepreneurship and I do some coaching and things like that, but a lot of free resources there for people. But honestly, I mean, stick with this podcast. I love that you have an, like an aviation month. Like it's the coolest thing, but Christina, this is a great show. So I encourage your listeners stick with Christina because she's doing some good stuff here. Aw, well, thank you so much, Alex. <laughs> it's been such a blessing talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming to Savvy Broadcasting to our aviation month. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. If you like this episode, please share and leave your comments. To find out more about paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.